everybody. Turn this up in my headphones, Charles. Turning it up. Hello, 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 everybody, one and all. Welcome to yet another very exciting episode of the Friends Talking Fantasy Podcast. My name is Charles, and with me today, as always, is my lifelong friend and co-host, Dylan. I'm ready to talk some fantasy with my friend, Charles. I am ready to talk some fantasy with my friend as well, Dylan, but not just any fantasy today. Because today we are talking about our favorite romances in fantasy. Nice. Yeah, I'm excited to get into this. We were inspired to record this episode because Fantology Podcast, who we highly recommend checking out, another awesome fantasy podcast that you may know from our collabs with them. Mm-hmm. Um, they hold tournaments on Twitter uh, where basically ask people to pick their top three favorites of something and uh in february the month of valentine's day they asked for top three fantasy romances and charles and i answered the call by picking our top three romances in fantasy and we're looking forward to discussing those because you know we had to deliberate anyway and we almost won we we almost won the whole thing we lost to the winner semis but we we lost to the winner yeah we lost (laughs) to the winner in the semis so a valiant effort from uh, didn't we lose in the quarter finals semis okay that's like the last four is the semis charles but we weren't in the last four oh we're in the last eight are you sure yeah oh yeah, you're right. I know what semifinals are. That's why. Yeah. I, that's why I knew. We <laughs> yeah, won I them. was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I was so confident, <laughs> but you're right. You put, you put the bracket here. Thank you. you. Correct, I'm glad Charles. that we recorded this so we can go back and play it over and over. <laughs> Where Charles finally proves to Dylan yeah, that he knows finally. what the semifinals is. So yes, we made it to the quarters, which is the. F- Elite eight of the tournament, I, but you said almost one, Charles. Well, I don't know if I losing the to the one that won it all is almost winning in my book. I don't think that's necessarily the case. Well, either way, I think people probably tuned in to listen to us talk about our favorite fans. I'm just qualifying it. You know these picks are going to be good, <laughs> <laughs> because they almost won. And uh, but before we get into it, this one is a little tricky with the spoilers. Dylan, you want to navigate that for the listeners out there? Yeah, sure. It basically boils down to there's only two things that we could potentially spoil for you in this episode. And one would be the Game of Thrones show, basically. Like if you've watched the Game of Thrones show probably you'd only need to up through like the first five seasons or so, but let's just say the whole show Uh, that could get spoiled for you. If you listen to the rest of this episode and the other thing that could get spoiled for you, if you listen to the rest of this episode is star Wars episodes four through six, like the original trilogy of star Wars from way 
back. And the only thing we would spoil in all likelihood is stuff having to do with particular relationships and what plays out in those relationships. Right. If the knowledge about, that people yeah. are in a relationship is a spoiler to you, yes. then Star Wars and Game of Thrones will have spoilers. But beyond that, if you're worried about plot points, twists, reveals, we're not going to get that deep. Yeah. We will refrain. We have other... We have couples from other books that we'll talk about, or at least uh, romances, I guess. Uh, I don't, at least one of them. I'm not sure if I'd call them a couple, but <laughs> uh, yeah, we won't we won't necessarily discuss uh, any plot points or things about those, and we won't spoil any books. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's pretty fair. I'd say so. Cool. All right. Yeah, unless you count the Song of Ice and Fire books up through that point but we won't spoil anything else yep i'm just, all right i'm waiting for you to, to yes, yes i've yes, been waiting for your catchphrase yeah, <laughs> yeah so it was like the more complicated one you might want to turn this down in your headphones uh, now if you don't want to hear about romantic plot lines in game of thrones or star wars episodes four through six Mm, what could it be <laughs> in could Star be Wars? Could be anything. Yes. All right. Well, let's kick this off with the one, like, when Dylan came through and was like, they're doing top fantasy romances, the one that I was ready with right away was in Game of Thrones, the best couple in Game of Thrones, John and Ygritte. The, yeah. Their whole plot line, both in the books and in the and in the show, was by far the most romantic feeling. You got to watch them fall in love and and be in the early stages of romance. And there's all these romantic moments that, you know, George spends a long time developing. And it's very wholesome and it's, it was super well written. Their dialogue is fantastic. They balance each other out really well where like egret has got all this experience and John is not experienced in a lot of things and those play off each other really well. The whole situation that John's in that I won't get into, but plays a factor in their romance as well. There's almost this like forbidden romance weaved into it that's also super interesting. And I mean in the show, the actors do such a terrific job and I love watching those moments. Like I watched a YouTube just like someone took all the scenes of just their romance and cut them together in one video and played them all straight through. It's incredible. Like you remember how fantastic the show was when you watched them. And then what happens? Those actors go on and get married in real yeah. life. That is how romantic this romance is that these two people actually fell in love with the real world and got married afterwards. <laughs> what more do you need to say? Well said, Charles, and I believe they recently welcomed a baby to the oh, family. Oh, that's beautiful. So, I did not know yeah. that. I mean, George wrote such an incredible romance plot line between John and Egret that those two actors, Rose Leslie and Kit Harrington, fell in love, Charles. That's, that's saying a lot. And I'll say that the show... Just the fact that these two had so much chemistry yeah. between each other, and it was just it was palpable when they were. You're like actually teams. watching it's them like, fall in love, yeah. like in real time, exactly. both in real life and as the characters. It's, I know it's so crazy to think on that, that now. <laughs> I know, and it's like if you rewatch, it's almost obvious because, like, <laughs> how good could these actors be to be? <laughs> 
portraying this in such a realistic way where you buy they're falling in love. And it's like, well, okay, they actually are falling in love. And I'll say, I won't, I, we did give the spoiler warning for Game of Thrones, but I, I won't go into detail. I'll just say that perhaps other relationships that may or may not have included one of those actors did not seem to have the same level of chemistry mm, I see. <laughs> as did John and Egret, right? Like a hundred percent. And it made it hard to watch, right? It's hard to watch two actors falling in love with each other in, the, in a relationship that's so well depicted and two people who just kind of are offering something that the other person really like is looking for in their life. Yes. It's like, well said. It, yeah, and I think John and Egret do that, right? Like, Egret's kind of looking uh, to, I think deep down, was kind of interested in this idea of, like, John and his uh, coming from a noble household and things like that. Yeah, he was a little more a little sensitive, more, a little more yeah. intelligent, you know. Right. You know, he had all of these things going for him, a little more sensitive. And then uh, the people she's used to being around and all right. that. Yeah, like the other, uh, other guys she's known and, those cultures Beyond probably the were wall. not valuing those that sent like sensitivity that John is able to show and just a very, yeah, a very different person, but someone that you understand what she would see in him. And mm. it goes the other way too with John. You can totally see what he sees in Egret where she just is so carefree in a lot of ways, like just so willing to live her life mm-hmm. and john is someone who holds himself to such a high moral standard you know comes from the stark family and uh he is uh, you know raised by ned stark and when you're raised by ned stark <laughs> you get a very strong moral code yeah. instilled in you and john's carrying that around on his shoulders everywhere and here comes egret who's like this carefree person like dude you can just like live your life and be free and it's like yeah of course john thinks like why would i not want someone like that in my life and they it's just such a believable and well-written relationship very well said and then like we get so much time with them too and it's not Mm -hmm. and it's moving slow right we're in these very it's so dialogue driven their relationship in the books and in the show where they're just you know, exchanging philosophies and then they're like courting each other and they're bouncing off each other. They're joking with each other. And you get so many of these moments as the relationship's developing and it, it stands out. A lot of stuff happens in Game of Thrones, a lot of stuff and, and the Song of Ice and Fire, right, to remember. And their relationship is one of those things that really sticks out. And I, I it's just the way their characters complement each other and the moments that we get with them to watch them connect, it's like a master class in character development and in romances for fantasy, hands down. A master class indeed, Charles. I'm with you. Great. Well, the next one we have is one you've maybe never heard us talk about if you're a fan of the show. I'm kidding. Uh, This is one that we've talked to death about and we'll keep talking about it and we'll never stop talking about it <laughs> and that is quoth and denna from the king killer chronicles yeah i mean i have and <laughs> potentially would if if you let me get off the rails here charles talk uh, i i'll talk about them forever <laughs> and i think that 
probably the best thing to do really to for anyone who's interested in hearing us talk about them in depth is to direct people to our episode called Quoth and Dennis relationship, the good, the bad, and the crooked. Mm -hmm. So here I'll try to keep it super high level. I'll also say like, I'm not going to talk about the extent to which they, they do or do not actually get involved with each other to keep from spoiling anything. But I'll say my, my favorite relationship in, all of fantasy is Quoth and Denna, and they have fantastic banter. They have just and really interesting demonstration of two people who are that age trying to deal with having feelings for the other person. And I, no relationship. I think I've ever read hits me so hard in the feels in the way that Quoth and Denna's relationship does. And it just is, you know, it's, it's my favorite part about the King Killer Chronicle, which is one of my favorite series ever. And I just highly recommend any folks who, who haven't read it, check out that series. And uh, any folks who have, if you haven't checked out our, discussions more in depth about this definitely check that out yeah right. I, I tried to keep it super right no, i appreciate what you're doing. It's, doing yeah. it's definitely i think another thing that's super interesting about it one it's a they're younger yes. so it's like a, almost like a teenage romance they're teenagers and it has yeah. all the complexity of a teenage role romance or dating or whatever you call it just the nature of two teenagers trying to talk to each other uh so that is super interesting to watch and Rothfuss plays it very honestly and very openly and you you get to see like uh all the parts of it you know the 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 inability to kind of talk to each other from either being too nervous or being in their own heads or whatever it is it's that kind of will they won't they mentality but it's also like Quoth and Denna getting in their own heads a little bit and it's super right. interesting to watch them play that out and, and how they communicate with each other like sometimes they put up these walls of like witty banter sometimes they just bulldoze right through it sometimes they just like won't acknowledge anything and you're going through all of these emotions with them and you're like oh my god this is so complicated this is this yeah. is like whirling me into this craziness you know but at the same time it's so like honest and you you can kind of go back and think about your own relationships yeah. in the past and and be pulled in by one aspect or another of quote and quote and dennis relationship and that's why i think their relationship is super popular and also super discussed both fans and critics of the relationship are both very passionate and both right in a lot of ways and that's what makes them so interesting yeah a big thing that we'll talk about all time is that this is art, right? Like writing right. a book, it's art. It's creating art. And a big thing about art is making people feel strongly. And when it comes to romances and fantasy, I think you and I, Charles, have read a lot that don't make us feel strongly in either direction. 100%. Even in very good books. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, okay, well, this is the romantic plot line. Uh, you know, main character falls in love with secondary character and we saw it coming a mile away and we're like, okay, good for them, whatever. We move on. Quoth and Denna 
make people feel so strongly, mm-hmm. be it in the direction of just thinking it's incredibly written and just being in awe of it, or be it in the direction of being extremely aggravated with it, or being almost like hurt by how relatable it is, is how I might put it. Like many people uh, end up in their feelings about this being such a relatable way of two people interacting when they're teenagers that it's like it's so painful for them to read that they can't stand it and i understand and you don't need to want to feel that way when you're reading something that you like to do for a hobby you know right like it doesn't conform to what a lot of like romance books kind of are like so if right. you're if you're missing those pieces it can also be frustrating in that way as well you're like what is this, this isn't the relationship that i want to be reading about you know yeah <laughs> which is totally understandable but that's what makes it stand out mm-hmm. yeah and rothfuss is so incredible in how deft a hand he has yes. for I feel like conveying the things he needs to convey about how to perceive Quothin Denna without stating it explicitly. I think it's all there, but as uh, as Patrick Rothfuss once said, uh, I like to imply more than I like to exply. Uh, right. <laughs> right. He definitely lets these characters do their own thing and lets it just out there and doesn't contextualize it doesn't embed it in like all these kinds of metaphors or you know maybe he does it's up for contention well, he doesn't but, like metaphors but <laughs> a lot of he, them actually he, he just kind of lets it puts it out there and lets it um speak yeah. for itself in a lot of ways so you don't really know the intent or where it's going or anything like that you're just kind of um along for the ride and that's what you know, makes this relationship so honest and that's when it going back to like that it's art and it, and it invokes a response to, to watch them play out you know and I think that's a huge achievement for any author yeah. to be able yeah. to do that yeah I will say a lot of the a lot of the magic of how we're how Rothfuss relays to us how to like perceive the quoth and Denna relationship does come through parallels and analogies that are littered throughout the story of the Kingkiller Chronicle and being able to make those connections, which we won't make here to keep from spoilers, is one of the joys that makes the Kingkiller Chronicle so rereadable. Yeah. I mean, yeah, one of the most rereadable series I've ever read. So, right. There's anyway, a lot but... of potential theories to get into and things like that. And the book's not yeah. closed on them yet. So, who knows where it's going? And, you know, it's, exactly. it makes for a lot of interesting discussion. Yeah. Um, Please read The Kid Killer Chronicle. Yeah, go read it and then listen to what we have to say about it. We've recorded a lot of hours <laughs> talking about King Killer. You don't want to miss out on those. <laughs> and more to come for sure. But, yeah. so, and because of that, maybe <laughs> let's not spend t- t- hours talking about well it said. right now. Um, I kind of have a confession to make going into this one. Um, this one was a bit of a stretch for me. <laughs> like these first two were so obvious and i was like oh we need a third one you know and we had mentioned at the top that there were potential spoilers for star wars and well we're bringing that up right in this moment and we're talking about um chewy and han no we're talking about han solo and princess leia that we are yeah 
we'll get more into it, Charles. I think we kind of, I kind of pushed for this one just yeah. because I wanted to get this in before the deadline. And you and I were both all in on the other two that we've mentioned. And then I was like, I, I don't know who our third is. Mm-hmm. I was like, I do like Han and Leia a lot, but it was like getting to the end of the last day we had to submit. So <laughs> I, I pushed for Han and Leia. I do think that they are, they're just a classic. Like that's yeah. part of it. It's like they're iconic. Yeah. And there's a lot of things about the Han and Leia, uh, relationship that are just like so standard and tropey at this point, but we have to look at them in context. Like back then this idea of uh, Han Solo as this sort of roguish, like (laughs) bad boy type, like he's one of, I'm, I'm sure you can find many of them before him, but I'll say in very popular speculative fiction stuff, he is one of the trope generators there, not, even necessarily like a a follower in all of it. And there's many characters that have tried to replicate the Han Solo vibe, and it's rarely replicated to the way that it's captured Mm -hmm. by um, Harrison Ford. Yeah. And I think that the the Han Leia relationship, I mean, uh, some very interesting moments i write there's the legendary i know yeah scene that's so good where he's yeah she's like i love you and he goes i know it's like come on that's movies that's movie history that's gonna be in the books the textbooks forever you know it's one of those things it's like oh that was really good um i will say also like yeah and just saying i know that's so in his yes. character that's so part of that roguish element you were talking about and i think what makes this relationship so impactful is harrison ford's acting obviously where just the slight cracks in that ex- roguish exterior are so emotionally impactful because you know how honest those moments are and how much we have to overcome that whole roguish like i do this for myself yeah. i'm in it for the money that there's characters who are on their knees professing their love and then there's just Han going i know and they hit the same because you know how big of a leap this is for Han Solo and Harrison Ford's performance. It's like, you know how big of a deal this moment is because you're like, whoa, <laughs> this is like so honest in this moment. And yeah, it's a really small gesture. But in the context of Han Solo's character, it's hugely significant. And I think that's what makes the relationship um, particularly uh, stand out and interesting. And, mm-hmm. and, and of course, Star Wars. Yeah, and of course Carrie Fisher, who does an incredible job uh, playing Leia. Right, because she's playing this. She's also like a strong-headed like leader as right. well. So they often butt heads constantly. So she's showing some emotional vulnerability as well, just by saying "I love you" to him. Because when they first meet, she's like kind of insulting them, and she, even though they're saving her, she's like, "What are you guys doing? This was your plan, like you know." And so it's yeah. And then she's calling all the shots, and and it wasn't until they were you know spending more time together, maybe going further on in their adventure. I'm trying to get past spoilers, but let's just say there's more danger going on and they start to feel more vulnerable towards each other and watching those moments of vulnerability leak out um, are more impactful than if they just profess their love to each other, you know? 
Yeah, and you make a great point there, Charles, about how they're both strong-headed. Like, I think during the time that episode four is coming out, I mean, I don't know the year off the off the top of my head, but um, it was uh, a while back at this point. <laughs> May 1977, I just looked up. So uh, that is a long time ago. And it would be very easy for Han to be the uh, bad boy streetwise dude and Leia to be the demure, pampered princess who just yeah. falls in line. Right. And right. props to the way that Leia is written or yeah, written and portrayed. So mm-hmm. used to talking about books. Uh, <laughs> is the the way that she's written and portrayed to be this kind of take command, uh, headstrong princess and it makes it more complex and interesting of a relationship than mm-hmm. if it was this more standard like uh old school like pampered princess who falls for the bad boy mm-hmm. and i will say that when we get into like the disney movies that take place after these i'm not going to say anything other than you know that was one of the creative decisions that i really liked is like keeping up with and seeing like like finding out how that relationship progressed is is um, really good as well, yeah. and I I'm not really concerned and about honest, spoiling it, but like. I don't want to get into it. Um, but yeah, it, it's it just adds to the interesting idea of their romance. These are two characters that stand out, and that they're not like the lovey dovey types, yet they portray they portray so much romance without being lovey dovey at all. Like John and Ygritte get a little lovey dovey, you know, like they do. But true. but Han and Leia never. They like they do, there is that I love you moment. But even then it's it's cut with the I know. You know, it's not like, oh I love you too, babe. It's, you know, it's very um Yeah. It's 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 always played straight like that and true to their character. And I think each one of these relationships that we picked stands out for different reasons. And I think Han and Leia, you just have two like leaders, individuals, like individualistic people that great personalities that come together and actually express a little bit of vulnerability to each other, which is like yeah, a huge think, accomplishment. Well, it's so interesting talking about them after just talking about Quoth and Denna, where it's like, I would say that Quoth and Denna without revealing anything are also two very headstrong people. Yeah. And yeah, also true, people actually. who would struggle with emotional vulnerability are constantly struggling with that, like we've mentioned already. Yeah. And I think that, yeah, it's interesting compare and contrast where Han and Leia, they have a lot of those struggles with emotional vulnerability and how they're able to overcome it in Star Wars is very interesting. Mm. And yeah, we really have no, I, I mean... <laughs> we have no idea where the Quoth and Denna stuff is going because there's a whole nother book. So it's interesting just to, to think about those two compared to each other. Yeah. I'm looking forward to continuing to compare them. Actually, they are surprisingly similar. Yeah. I kind of want to talk more off the air with you about that or, (laughs) or on the air, if we can talk about it in a way with spoilers by just for King killer. But I just find that a really interesting, well, yeah, we can do a spoiler thing at the end, you know, if we wanted to, but sure. um, Yeah. At the very least, I do have one more confession to make, and that is that, as you said, Dylan, we were up against a a deadline to get these three out, and then you had mentioned this romance, and I was kicking myself that we didn't put it on the list. I was like, 
this one was so good. Honestly, I would have put it in instead of Han and Leia. But you know what? (laughs) It was interesting talking about them. It like woke up a piece of my brain that I'm not used to like talking about on this podcast. So that was interesting. (laughs) But this relationship is from one of my favorite series of all time. And that is Alana and Marco from Saga. Um, Saga is a graphic novel series that, you know, if you haven't read this conversation might be uh, a bit unfortunate for you but i highly recommend picking it up even when you open the first page of the first volume you get the sense of their relationship right away the whole story is about them as a couple and if the first page it opens with them and they give birth to their child and the whole plot of saga is driven by them as a family trying to survive in a war-torn galaxy Right. But what Brian K. Vaughn and Fiona Staple do is they focus on the relationship of Alana and Marco and their child throughout, even though there's a huge, grand, epic Star Wars caliber galaxy battle going on. It's they decided to like instead of what happens with Han and Leia, who are in the battle, how do like the common people get like affected by this? And that was kind of the thesis for saga and you so the whole focus on saga is this honest portrayal of a modern family the way the only way i can describe it is that the the dialogue is very modern and and um the situations that they're in are very modern but you it feels so real and it like the ebbs and flows of their relationship and unlike these other romances that we've discussed they're already in love so they're already together and it's like what happens after the honeymoon kind of thing right it's like this is romance in the later stages where it's not all oh i love you oh i love you too it's like you know like falling in love it's like they're in love and now they're trying to make the relationship work right and and when you add stressors to the relationship how are they going to handle it and reading that is super interesting and that's why i wish we could have a fourth slot to put them in for this contest (laughs) yeah i agree with everything you just said charles and it's so well said i we like to say on this podcast that saga is one of our favorite stories hard stop yep we do and Maybe the biggest reason, I'd probably go so far as to say the biggest reason, is Alana and Marco's relationship. It is so at the core of what makes that story amazing. They're star-crossed lovers in the space (laughs) opera. Yeah. Uh, They come from uh, totally, do they use the word races in in Saga? I think so, yeah. So then they come, yeah, like they come from totally different planets that are at war with the like this giant almost like cold war style war with each other right like fighting through other worlds and all this kind of stuff so it's two really powerful i guess planets that are just at war with each other fighting each other Mm. and there's not supposed to be people from those separate planets getting together and alana and marco like we said it starts with them having a kid Mm -hmm. who represents this almost symbol of potential unity i guess between those two that total accent like not they didn't set out to like create 
some sort of <laughs> right. uh, metaphorical figurative child of unity <laughs> right. and raise them up. They just fell in love. And now they have this child and they're caught up in this giant debacle of a war. Yeah, they're like and fugitives kind it's of. Like, There's yeah. on the run constantly, that kind of thing. Exactly. And it gives us the opportunity to take a couple, like Charles was saying, that's already in love with each other and watch how they navigate the inevitable challenges that are going to come with just marriage. In de- or I don't know if marriage is the right word, but like being a couple in love with each other mm-hmm. uh, in general, that's just going to come with challenges and being two separate people with strong personalities, which they both have, oh, yeah. that's going to come with challenges and raising a kid that's going to come with challenges and oh yeah being in the middle of a giant war and at the center of it in yeah. terms of being wanted like by both sides are. yeah, yeah. Being <laughs> wanted by both sides that's going to come with a lot of challenges too yeah. so in some ways it gets to be this portrayal of an honest like how do two people who you already know love each other how do they like is that enough, right? Like, is that enough for them to continue to uh, deal with all the obstacles that are going to get thrown in their way? Exactly. And it's an exploration in a lot of ways of this kind of, a lot of stories end with love conquers all. And like, <laughs> oh, they got together. Now, like, everything's <laughs> fine. And that's just where it's starting for mm-hmm. Alana and Marco. And that's part of what makes them so interesting, in addition to just how real all the characters feel in Saga, especially these two. Yeah, and I think when you're, like, thinking about romance, you're thinking about the courtship phase, but, like, how it's like how are you continuing to have romance when you're already, like, married and you have a child together? And there is a lot of that, like, relationship like drama and there's a lot of really great romantic moments as well but it hits on a whole other level because it's not like two people expressing their vulnerability to each other and falling in love it's two people like working through challenges together and continuing to like learn things about each other and like loving each other in like learning new things about each other it's like a really like it takes this like idea of romance to the next level it's like a matured romance right where you're learning like more about them and then of course just the whole interesting situation that they're in like we said about being wanted on both sides of a a war that is unescapable in the galaxy so no it's great and as much as there is a lot of this interesting politicking going on it's really the hyper-focused relationship dynamic that is the driving force of this story. And I actually think Brian K. Vaughn said the inception for this was writing Star Wars, but from the POV of, like, you know, a regular person and how the war affects them. I think that was kind of like the genesis for for Saga. And then obviously the Alan and Marco are, like, at the center of it, so they're, they're not exactly, yeah. like, nobody. But they're at that level, and they're trying to survive, and the war affects them, and they can't really control the war at all. So that's what's, like, super interesting about it. Sometimes there's this powerlessness of, like, being in a war-torn place, but sometimes, like, the family's, like, you know, comes together and, like, home's what you make of it. You know, it's all these different themes going on together, and it's it's a much more complex, mature study on romance than some of these other uh, romances that we put in here, which are, like, falling in love. 
Yeah, you touch on something so great there, Charles, which is this sense of powerlessness. Because that's, that's something I was trying to navigate was like, how do I speak about, I get what you're saying with this, like they're just normal people because they are just normal people. Mm-hmm. But then it's like they're also at the center of it. And the <laughs> thing that's the difference is that lack of power to actually enact anything in the world. Like all right. this like Han Solo has the Millennium Falcon, Princess them. Leia is a yes. general of the rebellion. You know, they don't have any of yeah. that nothing Nothing. like they're not jedis they don't have jedi powers you know nothing zero right and it allows for this to be such such an interesting portrayal of something that actually a lot of us can relate to even if we're not at the center of a giant intergalactic (laughs) uh, world which is just you can't control what the world throws at you. Yes. What you can control is your own actions within your relationship, oh, yeah, given dude. whatever is happening around you. And Alana and Marco are kind of this like way hyperbolized yeah. in all the best ways, I guess. Like example of that is like right. the world can be dis- getting destroyed around you. They could all want you dead and terrible things could be constantly happening. And, how do you too navigate your relationship amidst all that? And lots mm-hmm. of people I'm sure can relate to that bit of not being able to, not being able to control the events that happen to them or the uh, world around them, but having some control over how they react to it within their relationship, like Alana and Marco. Do. Yeah, certainly. I mean, there's so many things going on in the past year that I'm sure have tested a lot of families. Right. And I think it's that, kind of situation that Brian Kavon and Fiona Staples wanted to put Alana and Marco in. It's kind of, you know, what we talk about with fantasy, you like literalize your metaphors, you know, you like, you, you push them using the fantastic as far as they can go and literalize them. And that's what makes Alana and Marco like hit so hard and so real while also being totally like, you know, one has wings and the other has horns. It's like, you know, it's, it's crazy that, 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 that series gets insane, but it's so well grounded in an honest portrayal of like family enduring and a, like a couple that loves each other enduring that it's just one of the it's just one of the go go read it it's one of the best stories <laughs> Dude, ever just, <laughs> i want i we will at some point cover saga on the show oh, right it's gonna Charles, be so i can good, say that yeah. with, i mean when it when that day does come i am so excited because yeah. yeah we're just gonna be ready dude. such it's... an incredible series and yeah you gotta do like a read-along or something once the next once there's a release date for a volume or something or an issue then we can start backdating it and get it going yeah yeah they said they're working on it they said they're i know well they said it basically got confirmed like okay like it is coming back i know we said it's coming back but it's like now like it is coming back. <laughs> yeah, they're like actually and, thinking about yeah, working it's on it now. Gonna happen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but until there's an actual date, we'll see. And even when there is a date, if we're waiting for volumes, it could be a whole another year after that. So you never know. But big fantasy, there's a ton to read already, and it already is kind of like a complete arc, I think. So yeah. you can read that and be satisfied for sure. And I highly recommend it. Um, yeah. It feels like the kind of series that we could easily, once we get going with it, like have it as one of those series we just don't ever stop talking about, right? You yeah. could do the same way that we did a oh, yeah. Quoth and Denna's relationship that was full on spoilers for what's happened so far. I think we could easily 
to an Alana and Marco's relationship. Uh, we could do a bunch of episodes probably on that. Oh we could do gosh. that like each volume. But dude, I could go dude, page by so... page on Saga. Like, don't even get me <laughs> so started. Good. But yeah, definitely looking forward to talking oh, more about dude. them and kicking myself that we didn't put them in here. But you know what? The three we put in were good. And I actually feel better about Han and Leia than I did before I we too. recorded, actually. As I started talking about it, I was like, oh, yeah, I actually <laughs> like this more than I thought I did. So this was an interesting an interesting little discussion. And uh, yeah, man, all these romances, all these are all such great, great stories, some of the best. And it just got me excited. What can I say? Yeah. Oh, I'm pumped. I I I had the same exact experience with the Han landing. It's like <laughs> I was kind of like, okay, well, we got to talk about them and all this. And then when we got going, I was like, especially in his context. Yeah, right. It's an interesting the late '70s that they're coming out with. That. It's, yeah. Dude, that was forty-four years ago. That's a long dude. time ago. Is that galaxy right? not too far away, though. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's a long time ago. It is. Yeah. The world's a different place. And I don't know. I, I feel like Han and Leia, that relationship, it holds up really strong. I mean, there's so many movies that came out in the 70s and the 80s that you can watch and just roll your eyes at. but Just cringe. Just yeah. cringe so hard. But Star Wars, like, good for them for at least, like, you know, Leia might be the only female character in that whole movie, but at least she was a really strong She's a good force. one. Yeah. yeah, dare I say force. And that's more than movies. a lot could say, is having one, uh, I guess, one female character written well in a way that can allow for uh, an actress to portray them as well. as yeah. interesting portrayal of a princess yeah. as well, you know? She's yeah. shooting blasters, leading a rebellion, you know, button heads with the roguish types. It, for sure. Yeah. No. It's really good interesting. For, good for George Lucas. Oh, yeah. That dude is a, the... is a genius. <laughs> but yeah. that's a conversation <laughs> for another not, yeah. time and place. Let's not open that can of worms <laughs> of whether or not George Lucas is a genius. <laughs> that guy could write uh, some good fantasy a... if he wanted to. I mean. <laughs> he, he he did something very incredible. Yes, he certainly did. That, um, yes. It, both in the movie business and in storytelling. Just hard stop telling a story. And that's what we're here to talk about. So props to Han and Leia. Props to George Lucas. Props to all these other amazing series and romances. You know, we, we ran the gambit here. Um, thanks to Phantology for forcing us to think about these romances. Um, it was an interesting little thought experiment. And uh, yeah, a conversation that that surprised me in a couple ways so just uh really leaving this feeling pretty good if i say so myself yeah i'm feeling good as well charles and it's been a pleasure talking about our choices for the top romances with you my lifelong friend oh thank you sir it's been a pleasure talking about these romances with you my lifelong friend as well the next poll that they put up is magic systems, right? Yes. So you might hear us drop an episode on that very soon. But until then, I think it is time to play that sweet, sweet outro music. Yep. Get that sweet, sweet outro music pumping, Charles. Yes, sir. 
Okay, everybody, thank you so much for listening to yet another very exciting episode of the Friends Talking Fantasy Podcast. My name is Charles. That was Dylan on the other end here. We had so much fun talking romances with you today. If you like what you heard and you want to support the show, follow us on Twitter. That's where all the hot conversation is happening, and that's over at the FTF Podcast with a number one at the end. You can also see what we voted for on those magic systems before the episode comes out. Uh, if you also wanted to follow us on Facebook and Instagram, you can do that as well at the FTF Podcast. You can always shoot us an email at theftfpodcast at gmail.com. Now, Dylan, if they wanted to support the show, they're listening through Apple Podcasts. What can they do? Well, you're already on Apple Podcasts and you can throw five, toss five stars to our podcast. Yes. I blew that one. <laughs> toss it's five toss. stars to it. It's toss. Toss. Toss five stars to our podcast. Just click on that Friends Talking Fantasy page on the Apple Podcasts app and scroll down until you start seeing stars. Once you're seeing stars, the best number of those to click to support the show would be five of them. If you do have a little bit of extra time, then writing a review helps even more. But just listen that is more than enough we appreciate you so much gs listening you guys are the best thank you so much for making it to the end and as always go forth and conquer friends